Thanks for joining us today. Our guest is Michael Neer. Hello, Michael. Hello, Angela. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, Michael. Cool. So first of all, I want to thank you for inviting me for the podcast and also for the opportunity to speak um, in Minneapolis and lead that workshop with Influence Without Authority, also known as Persuading the Bear. But we'll get to that later. So I've been um, been in Boston for the last four years. I've actually out of the country for many, many years, uh, working the last about nine or ten years in Agile um, and Scrum. So since you mentioned the title, Persuading the Bear, Influencing Without Authority, how did you come up with that? What is what is Persuading the Bear? Or where's that inspiration come from? So years, years ago, and that's a great question. Um, and if there's actually a book called Influence Without Authority, Persuading the Bear, and it's all based on, well, I really like hiking. And years ago, I went hiking up in gates of the Arctic National Park. There is a place called that, and it's in Alaska. The reason I got to Alaska was that I wanted to be in a place where you don't see any, any uh, electric poles, any signs of civilization, so to speak. So we were hiking in, in Alaska, and it was pretty cool. It was very cold, actually, in, in the summer. And in Alaska, like in other states in the U.S., there are grizzly roaming around the wilderness. And at some point, we were uh, setting up, pitching our tents, and uh, my friend Barack was saying, hey, guys, there's a bear out here, and he's uh, next to us on the lake. And we were like, what do you mean? We're like 10 feet away. And he didn't answer. He started interacting with bear, doing the bear protocol. For those of you who don't know, that means speaking with the bear in a very low, reassuring voice, just like that, <laughs> and saying, Go away, bear. And uh, he was doing that. And we were like thinking, and we're still in our tents, uh, changing our clothes to more damp and wet clothes because you're always wet when you're hiking in Alaska. We go out the tent and we see a grizzly probably you know, 10 feet away. The grizzly's looking at us and we're frightened to our underpants, right? We're like, all right, what's going to happen? He's trudging along. And, you know, grizzly, if, if they get mad at you, Mostly what you could do is climb a tree, but there are no trees in the Alaskan outback. And, um, or you can play dead if the grizzly gets really interested. Neither, neither are really good approaches. And then I've done my degree in industrial engineering, a master's, my, my civil engineering is my bachelor, all engineering. And then I started working and I noticed that a lot of engineering doesn't really help in organizations, because if you want to get results across, you have to influence people very much like you have to influence a bear not to chew on you. And that's, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, pretty much it, isn't it? Right. It is. And now with that, you've taken that as your title for the workshop. Yeah. First of all, it was a book about 10 years ago or eight years ago. And I've talked, I've been talking a lot about that. I think my first aha moment was as uh, you know, back when I was a, a marketing product manager at a startup, voice over IP. Those were the days uh, about 20 years ago already. And marketing folks, tech, more technical marketing, product, what now we call product ownership. I was a product owner, basically. And I was trying to influence my engineering teams to create a certain uh, release 
and it wasn't very successful because they were like those bears. You know, the, the VP of engineering, they tend to be like those Alaskan grizzly bears because you ask them for something, they always can. And now I understand why they can. But back then, I didn't. And a lot of the ability to, to get what I needed was based on influencing without authority. And so when we talk about influencing without authority, you mentioned the product owner role in Scrum. It makes me think of a Scrum master a little bit because we talk a lot about Scrum masters needing to be neutral. And so a product owner sometimes will have some authority, but really not over the solution, but over the the product itself, like the who, what, why. Scrum masters are operating from a position of neutrality, no authority. And so when you talk about Scrum masters being conduits to removing impediments or even promoting agility within an organization, they might struggle if they're talking to somebody who's at the top of an org chart, let's say. What's a common takeaway from your workshop that you think would be really good advice for somebody in a scrum master role? Cool. Yeah. And and that's right. The point exactly. Scrum masters um, as servant leaders have very little formal authority, if at all. And um, they are required to influence others uh, by sheer understanding of what does it take to influence without authority? So there are several things that we cover in the workshop. Actually, a lot of the workshop is is um, hands-on exercise style. We recreate, we role play. People love that, and I think it's really powerful because we create this um, risk-free environment where where you can fail, and people like that. So through the workshop, we'll work in small teams and we'll get people to understand influence patterns and then practice them, practice them on others and see how it feels for them. So I think the biggest takeaway for people when they come out after the workshop and say, Michael, it's a great workshop because we, we could experiment and it's all agile, it's all about experimentation and Scrum is all about experimentation. So this is experimenting behaviors. And it's very powerful because normally we can't experiment behavior. So we'll come after the workshop and say, I finally could sense, like, what is my what is my comfort zone in terms of um, influencing styles? And I, I'll always push them a bit, for, a bit more and ask them, what if you uh, experimented with your opposite style? What would that look like? What would it feel like? And it empowers them because they see others respond to that during the exercises and it gets them to thinking, first of all, how are they perceived in the organization and how can they be more effective if they take a, like a step outside their comfort zone and practice influencing styles they normally don't. And thank you for that. The, the word experimentation is so important there because a lot of what we talk about in the Scrum framework as an empirical process is experiments, you know, transparency, inspect and adapt. And Dr. Jeff Sutherland's inspiration for that was the OODA loop. And you've got a reference to the OODA loop in the workshop notes. Can you say more about that? Yep. Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about the, um, the framework to use uh, for the workshop because I've, I've, I run it a lot. I facilitate a lot with um, 
scrum agile organizations and I coach scrum masters to be more effective. And I said, what is a model that we embrace in scrum and in agile in general? And OODA loop speaks a lot to understanding the environment and responding to the environment in a closed feedback loop and in influencing it, it, it's also very much like we don't think about it that way. We think about influencing as a skill that we practice and sometimes gain this result and sometimes it doesn't. And I think I like to think it as more integrative and, and a skill that you can grow by creating, understanding um, the situation and then getting perception, like observe and then orient to perception and then going through a decision process and, and acting on a certain strategy. And seeing how that strategy um, benefits the organization and yourself and your ability to impact others and influence others to the benefit of the organization, and then tweak it based on the response you're saying. And a lot of the Scrum Master I'm working with uh, don't see it that way. They'll kind of get into a certain behavioral pattern, and sometimes it works for them and sometimes it doesn't. And they don't see the uh, opportunity to really grow the organization themselves by tweaking the influence style that they've adopted. Thank you for that. It may be worth referencing what UDA stands for. Observe, orient, decide, act. Did I get that correct? Yes, exactly. And it's based on Colonel John Boyd, the U.S. State Air Force, U.S. State, United United States Air Force uh, Colonel of, I think, Korean War, that he was studying uh, air-to-air aerial combats. And he tried to figure out how could you get the upper hand, so to speak, in um, uh, aircraft-to-aircraft combat. So that's where he got the inspiration by learning into and understanding and actually observing the pilot-to-pilot interactions and um, then coming up with OODA loops as a way to gain the uh, superiority in aerial uh, fights. I think the um, observe, orient, decide, act that you described about Scrum Masters is really important. You mentioned they fall into their old pattern. And so often... I work with scrum masters who do just kind of fall back into a default way of facilitating or they they come at people with the same style, regardless of whether it's a development team member or product owner or a senior leader in the organization. And so one of the things I push students to do is to really understand who is in front of you. You know, if they're thinking about coaching the person in front of them, and they may have to adapt their style. Is there any uh, nugget from the workshop on that, on them changing their style based on the person who's in front of them? Yes, a lot. A lot is is about rel- like relative influencing and, and situation-based influencing. So the entire workshop is built on how do we, uh, how, how are we able to change our influencing style based on the certain art scenario and I coach scrum master and I noticed this this behavioral pattern that you just described Angela it's it's there so if I can share some of the exercises you know we we have this exercise about a, a influence and persuasion scale like uh, it's a fun exercise it's actually a card playing exercise where two participants get a card from card deck a one to ten card deck 
and and they have to influence based on the number they received and others will will watch them role play this in a certain in a certain um, scenario and they'll have to guess what those two were were uh, ranked like what was the number that they were given one being the lowest ten the highest and it's always eye opening for people running the role uh, performing the role play because a lot of the times what they experience what they think of is of like influence level of five is what others people will see as a two or an eight. So it, it, it kind of uh, scales them. It gives them like a, a grounding to what they perceive and then what other perceives as them. Because in influencing, a lot of it is how am I being perceived and what am I using? How is that being perceived by the others rather than what I am thinking I'm doing? It's a lot about the interaction between individual and environment. Thanks for that, Michael. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time today and um, explaining a little more about persuading the bear, influencing without authority, and definitely where that title came from. We're looking forward to hosting you at West End Conference Center in March. I'm looking forward to making the trip to Minneapolis. Uh, Hopefully the snow will be uh, appreciative of that and will not influence the work. (laughs) You never know. Thanks again. Thank you, Angela. I'm looking forward to it.